Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. It's Wisconsin's most complete farm show. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Oh, if we could just bottle this weather and save it until sometime January, February, you know what's ahead for Wisconsin. But this is definitely outside the norm. How you doing, everybody? Fabulous farm babe, Pam Youngke. Happy to welcome you to a Friday and happy to welcome you to what's going to be a very warm Friday. According to this forecast, we've got sunshine today. Could top out near 76 degrees. My little Sheltie dogs were sweating and looking for shade yesterday, and it only got into the low 70s. Saturday looks beautiful, too. Sunshine and 70. A few more clouds on Sunday, 71, but we're still hanging on to 71 on Monday, even with the clouds. We'll talk weather with our man Stu Muck. He's coming up in about 15 minutes or so. You know, we want to keep it on the positive side this morning. Going to share a story with you about two young women from southern Wisconsin that have decided they want to make sure they're continuing to raise awareness about the challenges that Wisconsin farmers are going through in light of the pandemic. Josh has that story for us. And next week is Veterans Day. And remember, there is a strong outreach to veterans asking them if they want to consider a career in Wisconsin agriculture. We're going to talk about that with Denise Chapin. She is uh, with the VA in Madison, doing her best to coordinate programs to try to encourage those veterans to interact with agriculture. Former Alice in Dairyland and current farm report extraordinaire, Caitlin Riley, joins us from La Crosse in just moments, right here on the Midwest Farm Report. Copier Financial is proud to support hardworking farmers and their families during this harvest season. As you work relentlessly to feed, clothe, and fuel the world, we want to wish you a safe and bountiful harvest and say thank you for all you do. Give your local Compeer team a call at 844-426-6733 or visit Compeer.com for lending, crop insurance, appraisal, and other financial needs. Compeer Financial is an equal credit opportunity lender. Well, now that we are a few days into November, it really, really feels like deer season. Josh Scramlin here at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And uh, archery and bow season's been going on since late September. Uh, we keep clicking along towards the gun season that we are all so excited about. We jo- got just a couple few weeks until that. And uh, Caitlin, you bring up a very good point when we were talking about this earlier. Uh, you, you've har- or, excuse me, You've shot the deer. Uh, you want to get it in somewhere to get it processed. You may not be able to get a slot, so you might have to take matters into your own hands, but it's uh, maybe not as easy as it sounds. That's right, Josh. On the western end of the world's longest barn in lacrosse, I'm Caitlin Riley, and I've watched people harvest deer, but I've never personally taken part of it myself. And I was actually inspired to go and get some tips about it after hearing your story, Josh, about how backlogged a lot of our local meat processors are right now. So I reached out to Heather Krakenbos. She's a LaCrosse County Extension educator. And I asked her, first of all, is it safe to be harvesting our deer at home if we can't get into our local shops? 
in all honesty, my family has done it that way my whole life. It wasn't until recently that I used that benefit of going to the harvesting places, those meat processing places. So yes, harvesting and packaging and cutting your own meat is something that a lot of families do. And what is something that we need to keep top of mind? Because as we know, in the Midwest, weather can change in an instant and you may be able to get a deer on a cold day or you might get one on a warmer temperature day. So what do we need to do to make sure that the deer that we harvest doesn't spoil? That's really important. And you're right. Hunting weather is so different. If we get a deer when it's warm, we do actually need to act pretty fast. We need to cool that deer down to 40 degrees. We want to make sure it's field dressed within about 30 minutes of getting it. We want to hang that up and then make sure that it stays chilled at 32 to 36 degrees for safety. And when it's chilled like that, you do have some time. It can stay like that for five to seven days as you're cutting it up and then really getting it frozen at about zero degrees is the safest temperature. So there is some time. Now, when it's colder, you can relax a little bit, but you still want to make sure that it's going to be under 40 degrees whenever you are really getting it to be able to be packaged. And I know that our meat processors are incredibly skilled and they know what they're doing down to a T. Is there anything when we're going to cut out those deer at home that we need to keep in mind? If anything, just for our safety, are there cuts that we should know, get rid of that? Yes. Um, Wherever that deer is shot, where there is bloodshot, you want to get rid of that and trim that out. If there's anything that looks like this might have been a wound, this might have been you know, something that had happened to the deer to cut that out as well. We want to stay away from any of those internal organs leaking onto the the muscle, the meat. And we want to stay away from the spinal cord and the brain. We don't want those liquids leaking onto the meat either. That can get pretty dangerous, particularly when we're looking at things like chronic wasting disease or things that deer may have that we don't want to ingest. So making sure that you are only cutting the good meat from your deer and then with the, then you get to decide how do you eat this? Do you want it more ground? Do you want more steaks? Do you want more roast? You get to decide that, which is kind of fun when you're processing it yourself. I was going to say, it's probably quite the learning opportunity. It'll probably give some of us who are trying it ourselves an appreciation for when someone else does it for us and we can just pick it up. Have you guys at Extension, this may be an out-of-field question, but if you guys received any questions about this as people may be concerned about whether or not they're going to be able to drop a deer off at a local butcher? You know, we haven't yet. I think it's still a little bit early in that hunting season, and I'm not sure if this year is a little bit different with COVID, if people are still going out. I mean, maybe they're not going out as in many groups, and sometimes that affects how you get deer as well if you don't have folks helping drive or do things like that. Um, But we certainly can talk about the safest methods to preserve your food at home. And once you get that deer all cut up, what are some of the safest ways that you can package it to make sure that meat's going to last for you and your family? What you are going to want to do is usually use freezer paper or freezer wrap. 
You can get that at the drugstore, the butcher shop. I mean, you get freezer paper almost anywhere now. There are also freezer bags or containers that can be used for ground beef or ground venison, uh, stewed venison, things like that. Um, you want to get that packaged pretty tightly because you don't want that freezer to give your meat freezer burn. So maybe putting a layer of freezer paper between the steaks or patties so it's a little bit easier when you want to thaw that out to actually use it to cook with. And honestly, it's really up to you. I know my family went through a lot of ground meat when the kids were a little smaller. And, you know, eventually we had to go from the one pound package to the two pound package. And so that's what's also really nice about packaging your own is you get to decide that. The other thing that happens when you package your own meat is your patience will be tested. And initially, you're going to start cutting off all of the fat and cutting off all of the, you know, the tendons and the stuff that you don't want to eat. And then by the end, <laughs> what tends to happen to me or our family is you just start getting what you can and throwing it in the bags or in the freezer paper and saying, yeah, that's good enough. So it is a lesson in patience. So maybe taking some breaks or making sure you have a good snack in the middle there is also a good idea. <laughs> and there are people who want to freeze. There are people who want to can their meat. And that is possible. And we can answer those questions. I totally forgot about the canning option, which is ironic considering that we chatted a few weeks ago about the canning lid shortage, this and that. And what are some ways for canning meat? Well, so what my family used to do is make mincemeat. And now I had no idea, Caitlin, that a lot of folks figure mincemeat is just those dried fruits mixed in with, you know, apples and prunes and all of that. My family added meat. And so when we talk mincemeat pie, I'm thinking real meat pie, which honestly I haven't made since I moved away from home because there's just some things that you don't carry on the tradition. But doing things like mincemeat or canning meat is certainly something you can do. You are going to want to use a tested recipe, particularly for meat, and you can get those on the National Center for Home Food Preservation. They have the ways to do it. You will, for meat, for sure need a pressure canner because you need it to get it hotter than just a water bath is going to get you. And it's going to take a while. But when it's cold outside, heating your house up with a pressure canner is not all that bad. <laughs> That's true. And I know that we've been talking all about venison and harvesting deer. But some of these tips that you talked about, this can apply to a variety of different meats that we have out there. Oh, absolutely. Usually any large game, you're just going to want to trim and discard the bloodshot meat before freezing and you package it, you seal it, you freeze it. If you're talking small game, because there are folks who are out there you know, hunting rabbits or squirrels, and you are going to want to skin that, dress it, and chill it. With a smaller game, you want to usually refrigerate that for about 20 to 36 hours until that meat's no longer rigid. And then it's going to be easier for you to cut up or leave whole, depending on what you like to do, and package it and seal it and freeze it. Heather, I think those are all the questions that I have for you. But is there anything else that you want to add? Anything else that you want people to know? Oh, you know, I think this year in particular, we are all looking for things that we can do and how we maybe can do things more economically. And hunting is certainly one of those ways to do that. It's more economical. We know 
where our food comes from and to be able to process that ourselves is just something that we can pass on with a tradition to our kids or maybe it was passed on to us. And it's something really nice that we can really do for ourselves and our family. Thank you, Heather. And once again, that's Heather Quackenbaugh. She's a La Crosse County Extension educator sharing some tips for processing our wild game this hunting season, whether it's deer or anything else that we may find in the woods. You can find more information by contacting your local extension office. And Heather did say that if people have questions about CWD or chronic wasting disease, that the Wisconsin DNR offers great resources for that. From the western end of the world's longest barn in La Crosse, I'm Kate and Riley. What weather is in store for the Midwest today? Stay tuned as ag meteorologist Stu Muck gives you the latest forecast in just moments, right here on the Midwest Farm Report. I-39 Supply. Over 200 trailers in stock for work or play and complete trailer service to minimize downtime, plus a huge inventory of trailer parts. I-39 Supply. Trailer service and more. I-39Supply.com. In Disney's The Lion King and in our world, fatherhood plays an important role. Take time to be a dad today. Visit fatherhood.gov to learn more. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. A trusting family gives its members the support they need to make it through life. You could say the same about Compel Consulting. They're your most trusted provider of computer services, combining personalized service with affordable solutions for business owners right here in Madison. And they respond to their customers' computer problems within 60 minutes or less. Schedule a free technology assessment with Compel today and be more productive tomorrow. Visit CompelNetworks.com. Compel Consulting, professional IT solutions, just like having family in the IT biz. Hang on to your tractors. Here's another update. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. I like this update on a finally Friday morning headed into a November weekend. And we are talking about temperatures today that are going to make my little Sheltie dogs slobber at the mouth and sweat. Stumach, Ag Meteorologist, joining us live via Skype. It was funny. That's an appealing picture. Thank you. (laughs) It's the truth. They don't know what's going on. They uh, came from daycare yesterday. Yes, people, in case you haven't uh, witnessed this personally, I have two very spoiled little baby dogs. And so we decided we were going to be in the backyard playing a little bit. Well, it was a very little bit because my big boy, Granite, is like the rest of the family and carrying a little bit more on the hoof. Plus, his coat had kind of gotten a little 
thicker when we had that snow event uh, back uh, two weeks ago or so. And so pretty quick, all I could see was his tail underneath the chair by the in the shade uh, panting. Because it, it, you know, honestly, it was beautiful. I love it. But it did get a little warm. You know, what have we gained? 20, almost 30 degrees in a very short period of time. Well, that's it. And yesterday set a couple of records, both lacrosse and Madison, record high temperatures, 72 at Madison, 73 at lacrosse. We're going to do that again today. Low 70s, sunshine, warm, south breezes just makes it feel very, very fine. Every way I looked yesterday in a couple of different counties I drove in, there was somebody in a field somewhere making dust, baling, chopping, hauling manure, tillage, whatever the case, it's that kind of pattern. We're getting a lot done, and we'll still do that, not just today, but tomorrow and Sunday as well. Low pressure is trying to build in from the west. There's a larger area of rain now from Montana, Idaho, back to Washington and Oregon. That's the system that finally arrives here, not until Monday, and then even later Monday into Monday night, before some rain, showers, and even thunderstorms develop. I would expect with some cooler air behind that system that next week's temps drop back a lot closer to normal, or maybe just a little below. We should be in the upper 40s for normals into next week. Oh, I'd expect some mid and upper 40s on and off from Wednesday, Thursday, into Friday. But it's going to seem a whole lot different than the very mild conditions we're in store with today and right on into the weekend. I'll have forecast details right after this. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Rural Mutual is the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin for a good reason. As a company founded by farmers, they understand the ag industry and its challenges. Local agents offer farm families the best advice and personalized coverage. Visit RuralMutual.com to find an agent near you. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. To the soybean farmer who knows the early rise, who's there even when times are hardest, whose fingers bless Wisconsin soil, who sows in our hearts and grows for our children. To the soybean farmer, we stand with you. Strengthen the voice of Wisconsin farmers. Join the Wisconsin Soybean Program at wisoybean.org. All righty, Stu, uh, give us some details. It's not so much this weekend. This looks absolutely glorious. I'm just trying to remember when I'm going to have to prepare for shock next week. <laughs> well, the rain is the first thing next week. Developing, oh, midday into the afternoon, I'd expect now. At least that's how it times out for Monday and at the last into Monday night, lingering around to Tuesday, and that cool air just settles on in for Monday and into Tuesday. Back, back to cooler than normal already by Wednesday. Sunny today, though, beautiful, low 70s. Southwest winds at 5 to 10. Partly cloudy overnight, a few more clouds here and there, big deal. Low to mid 50s for lows. South winds at 5 to 10. Mostly sunny Saturday, another beauty. More likely around 70 or just in the low 70s in western Wisconsin. South winds 5 to 15, a little gusty on Saturday. Sunny and breezy on Sunday, still around 70. South winds gusting up to even 25 in the day, Pam. So a little more breezy, but that just holds on to that mild air. Oh, beautiful. All right, my friend. Well, don't hurt yourself using up all this mild air. 
<laughs> I'm sure that's not going to happen, but you never know. Okay, see you Monday. Thanks, Stu. Stu Mock is our ag meteorologist with the beautiful weather details that we've got to enjoy uh, through the weekend at least, and like you said, with changing dynamics next week. Hey, we want to keep it on the positive side for a finally Friday morning. Josh got a chance to visit with some gals that are remembering uh, their roots in Wisconsin agriculture and reminding consumers to continue to pay attention to what's happening in Wisconsin agriculture. Uh, what exactly are our farmers facing as far as current challenges regarding the pandemic? Uh, they are communicating their message with creative T-shirts, and he'll bring us those stories coming up a little bit later this hour. And uh, next week is Veterans Day, and uh, on the Farm Report, we are respectful of our veterans, not only what they've given us, but what they could give us in Wisconsin agriculture. Details are coming up. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. This election season, we imagine you're sick and tired of political ads. So, you'll be happy to know this is a plain old ad for Wiffles Hybrids. As the fastest-growing seed corn brand in the Central Corn Belt, you might say Wiffles is the winner of the popular vote because more farmers than ever are planting Wiffles. When you make your planting pick this season, vote independent. Vote Wiffles Hybrids. Wiffles Hybrids is sorry this ended up sounding like a political ad after all. Eating, working, living pain-free. These are things many of us take for granted. But for many adults with disabilities who are elderly or have serious medical issues, dental care is simply unaffordable. Dental Lifeline Network is looking for dentists who can change this. DLN is asking dentists and their teams to volunteer to just see one of the many patients in need. You can literally change a life. When you volunteer with DLN's Donated Dental Services Program to see one, you treat a pre-qualified patient in your office at your convenience. We handle the details so you can focus on the care. Lack of dental care can lead to the inability to have life-saving surgery, eat, or contribute to our community. If you are a dentist or know a dentist, please share this message. Will you see one? Visit willyouseeone.org to help change one life in your community today. Mmm, need to get some rest. This is the worst headache ever. Mmm, right arm's all tingly all of a sudden. Must have slept on it last night. I keep losing my balance. These old bones need some exercise. Granddaddy, what you just said doesn't even make sense. It sounds like gibberish. Signs like these could be more than what they seem. They could be a sign of stroke. Sudden weakness or numbness of the face, arm, or leg. Sudden trouble with vision in one or both eyes. Sudden trouble walking or difficulty with balance. Or a sudden intense headache that comes out of nowhere. If you or someone you know has any of these symptoms, don't wait. Call 911 immediately. You could make a difference in someone's life, someone you love, maybe even your own. Time lost is brain lost. Find out more at PowerToEndStroke.org. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. Carrier has a complete line of home heating products to keep your family comfortable this winter without burning your budget. With smart temperature management and remote access options, it's easier than ever to control your home's climate. And Carrier energy-efficient systems can help reduce utility bills without sacrificing comfort. 
For more complete comfort and greater peace of mind, turn to your carrier expert. Call your factory authorized dealer. Arts Electric and Heating in DeForest or Bethke Heating and Air Conditioning in Verona. There is no reason to be intimidated by words like gold, diamonds, jewels. No reason at all, especially when you stop into Goodman's Jewelers, 220 State Street, same location they've been at for over 85 years because they haven't been in business that long by intimidating people. They've been in that business by having beautiful pieces at all price points, whether it be an engagement ring, a wedding band, a pendant, maybe even a necklace, birthday, anniversaries, so many different occasions to give such beautiful jewelry that is very affordable. And of course, they've got the bling bling, the shine and diamonds, but they also have a great selection of other exotic gemstones and a lot of the cuts that are super hot these days. They may have that traditional feel, that traditional customer service, but they also have the new modern looks of today. Stop in and take a look at their jewelry case. Talk to the staff. Find out what it is that they have and what it is that they can create. Go online, goodmansjewelers.com. If your walls could talk, what would they say? I have sent children into fits of rage. I am responsible for a child's speech impediment. I am the reason a child can't read. Just because you can't see lead paint doesn't mean it's not on walls, doors, windows, and sills. Today, lead paint poisoning affects over 1 million children. If your home was built before 1978, log on to leadfreekids.org or call 800-424-LEAD. Brought to you by the Coalition to End Childhood Lead Poisoning, EPA, HUD, and the Ad Council. Your time is valuable, and McFarland's knows that. Pam Yankee here for McFarland, 780 Carolina Street in the heart of Sauk City. But you know what? Sometimes you're in the middle of a 40-acre field when you need McFarland's the most. Do not forget about McFarland's 100 years of combined knowledge and expertise in keeping you running at those critical times. Text them at 608 643 3321. Let them know what you need, and the McFarland service team will respond. McFarland's.net. Well, here is another unnamed source from Dan Patrick, and this is the, lack of a better words, fear-mongering that he's peddling. Talked to a source yesterday, and I was trying to find out a little bit more about what's going to happen with Wisconsin. I was told last week that the game against Purdue this week was going to be in serious jeopardy, and it turned out they had to cancel it. No, he wasn't. And then I said... um, Where does Wisconsin stand? And my source said, if they can't play six games, there's a good chance with state spiking COVID cases, they shut down Camp Randall, a possible field hospital. Okay, I'm stopping right there. No, these are not true. One more time. Not even remotely um, No. Where does Wisconsin stand? And my source said, if they can't play six games, there's a good chance with state spiking COVID cases, they shut down Camp Randall, a possible field hospital. That is the dumbest thing that I have ever heard. Camp Randall to shut down and become a field hospital. As the winter months are coming. Last time I checked, Camp Randall is an open stadium. There's no roof on there. No. And if they were to shut down and become a field hospital, first of all, why would you be sitting in a bed out in the elements? Wouldn't you be like at the surf or the Bon Arena or, you know, insert... A closed facility? Coal Center, the, the Field Yeah, the Coal Center, the, the Dane Field County House. Coliseum. This is absolutely asinine from Dan Patrick. In fact, Dan, West Alice opened up a field hospital for the overflow of COVID-19 patients. It, at a minimum, can hold 50 patients. 
they can expand it, make it bigger, and have a ton of patients if needed with COVID-19. West Allis opened up this field hospital on October 14th. As of yesterday, November 4th, in the field hospital, there are six patients. Six. It's been open since October 14th. Dan Patrick is out there saying on his nationally syndicated show, talking just complete asinine comments about Wisconsin, of how they're going to shut down their season and turn Camp Randall into, and I quote, a field hospital. This is beyond stupid. And I'm sorry he didn't know last week. You don't want to, you want to, if, when, when was this? This was yesterday. You want to, so last week. These comments were from yesterday. Last week, um, (laughs) the decision wasn't made yet. What What is he doing? The, yeah, the decision was not when, made yet. When he, I bet his source told him at about eight fifteen a.m. Central Time when Barry Alvarez got on and said, "We have twenty-seven new cases. We'll let you know Tuesday." And he just decided, "Hey, I bet they're not going to play." Well, we were all talking about that last week. We we're like, "Okay, it's trending to them probably not playing." Right. I think it's just common sense yeah. that there's like, "Okay, I don't think they're going to be playing." And then to go double down on it to say that they're going to cancel their season and then turn Camp Randall into a field hospital? Right. Is this has he lost his marbles? Yes. Uh, it, it's just that's truly one of the stupidest and most laughable things I've ever heard him say. As odd as it sounds, especially with the cases spiking in Wisconsin, uh, Wisconsin toes the Big Ten line. They're not going to do anything to trouble the waters. Yeah. Um, because by you— They're a company, man. By you pulling out and canceling your season with still, uh, like I said, there are no bowl requirements this year. Yeah, the only requirements to get in the Big Ten title game. Yeah. Six games to participate in the Big Ten title game. But if you don't get it, you can still play in that plus one game at the end of the year. Yeah. So uh, there's still that. You have five remaining games here. You have your plus one if you don't qualify for the Big Ten championship game. You have a possible bowl game. That still gets you, what, eight games on the year? Does this sound closer to being factual or more of like a wish list of things to happen i, th- I feel like he wants i feel like he wants bodies laying around are, camp are Randall. you saying mine or no, dan, dan patrick, patrick. oh I, I think it's a wish list like for dan patrick for it, stuff like it this sounds to like he's just he totally is he's fishing for for listeners and clicks on on you, tweets you're on a nationally syndicated show a huge show and you are proclaiming that your source is saying wisconsin football is going to shut down their season and then turn camp randall into a field hospital If you need to know about farming, then you need to know Pam Yonke. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. I do not get tired of repeating this forecast, that is for sure. Get ready for short-sleeve weather today. Sunshine, 76 are expected high. Not bad tomorrow, a few more clouds, 70 degrees. Sunday, partly cloudy, 71. Even Monday with a few more clouds, 71 are expected high. Now things may change next week, but come on, it's the sixth day of November. Hey, got to send out a happy birthday wish to our uh, farm broadcaster up in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. 
Johnson. Happy birthday to Madison native Bob Bosold. We're so glad to have him as a part of the team, and he's celebrating today. Way to go, Bob. All right, let's talk a little bit about what happened on this date in history, shall we? So on this day back in 1947, aside from Bob Bosold being born, uh, Meet the Press debuted on TV. It's considered the longest-running TV news show. It first was hosted by journalist Martha Roundtree, and it aired on NBC. Meet the Press, still around today, started on this day in 1947. Happy birthday, aside from Bob Bosold, to Sally Field, 74 years young today, and Emma Stone turns 32. And now you know. I'm P.M. Yonke. Now, from the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk, here's what's happening on a Friday. So let's remember, next week is Veterans Day on November 11th. And there's been a big effort in Wisconsin agriculture to reach out to those veterans and let them know that agriculture, agribusiness, farming may be a very viable option for them. Why? Well, there's a unique fit. Some of the challenges that our veterans face uh, may require them to be in open spaces, be able to call their own shots, and agriculture fits that to a large extent. Denise Chapin can tell you all about it. She is with the VA Hospital Administration here in the Madison area, and she's doing a great job in outreach trying to help those veterans understand what kind of programs are available to them. The VA started our VA Farms pilot program in thereabouts uh, October 2018. So we've been at this for a couple years now, just over two years into our pilot program. And um, we are working on getting veterans. Primary, our primary focus to start out with was really to look at those veterans that wanted to get into agriculture as an occupation, um, various sectors of agriculture, uh, not just one type of thing. And um, we have had great interest and great um, successes from the veterans that have been working with our program. Um, We're setting that up with training sites in the community. Um, So working in agriculture in the community, uh, various farm sites um, in our um, south, um, west, and midwest Wisconsin, and then also um, education opportunities, and a chance to meet with other veterans who are also interested in agriculture. So it's really been a great fit for our returning veterans and those that have been back for a while. That's super. Now, uh, granted, when everything started in 2018, you probably had some clear-cut goals on what you could get accomplished, and then, bam, we all get tossed into the COVID situation. How have you managed to, I guess we'd say, persevere with this programming, Denise, and what are you kind of planning on staying engaged with the vets? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, we have been so lucky that many of our farm sites have still been interested in hosting our veterans out in the community and working with them to give them the training that they need. So that has been um, one of the things that really is the cornerstone of us continuing to do our stuff is, is that people need to work and people need um, workers. So um, and agriculture is still strong and, um, and still a very vital occupation. Uh, we've adapted some of our training stuff to be more virtual um, since we can't do as many face-to-face visits with our veterans. So that's been um, one of the big things that we've done. And then we've also um, started to do some um, virtual gardening groups um, for veterans that are perhaps not interested in agriculture in the sense of an occupation, but they really like gardening 
or they like indoor plants or flower arrangements or things like that. Um, we're trying to um, get veterans uh, an activity that would really meet their needs if that's their area of interest. And um, that can be very therapeutic for vets of all ages and abilities. So we are starting up some virtual groups this November, middle of November, and they are on a, um, you can come there once a week, and veterans can start really any time. We're hoping um, that we'll run them for a five-week session and then start them up again. So that's the other thing we're starting to do now in our virtual world. You know, the other thing that this program has been based on, founded on, is that those that are already involved in agriculture can share life knowledge with those that want to be involved in agriculture or agribusiness. You started a mentorship program that uh, is designed to bring those two worlds together. How can people still stay engaged in that despite the pandemic? Yeah, that's a really great question, and thanks for bringing up the mentorship program. We really do hope to connect veterans and farmers, so experienced farmers in our community who would be interested in mentoring Um, a veteran who is newer to agriculture um, and could use some guidance. Uh, So the way that, you know, that can be done, a lot of times just like, you know, calling up your neighbor or sending them an email, a lot of that stuff can be done um, over the phone or by email. Um, But they still can connect at times uh, in their capacity if they're still working Um, out in the field or whatever. So we do hope that that will um, take root, if you will, and that we'll get more um, local farm sites or farmers interested in mentoring some of our veterans that are currently starting up their own businesses. Denise Chapin doing a great job trying to coordinate programs that involve veterans with our Wisconsin farming community. Now, if you're a veteran that would like to engage in some of these programs, you can either talk to your program provider and find out more there, or we'll connect you directly with Denise. Uh, probably the best way to reach her is by contacting us, Pam at MidwestFarmReport.com, or you can leave me a message on Facebook, Fabulous Farm Babe. You're also welcome to call me anytime, day or night, on our toll-free number, 877-301-FARM, 877-301-3276, and we'll get you connected with Denise. Well, keeping you connected with the markets is not necessarily a good thing this morning. December corn right now is up a penny at 410. January soybeans are up a penny at 1104. July wheat, that's up a penny right now at 608 a bushel. But the dairy markets are not doing so well. Right now, we've got December milk down 30 cents at 1912 a hundredweight. January is down 15 cents at 1745 a hundredweight. Yesterday in Chicago, the barrel cheese dropped three quarters of a cent at 248 and three quarters. The 40 pound block cheese down 13 and a quarter cents in a day to 249 and three quarters. Well, double A butter was unchanged at $1.43 and three quarters per pound. Well, let's flip the switch just a little bit and bring you some positive news this morning. Two young women that want to make sure the challenges Wisconsin farmers continue to face are not forgotten by consumers. Josh Scramlin's got that story for us next. Sign up for daily agriculture updates by joining our email list. Head to MidwestFarmReport.com, enter your email address, and we'll handle the rest. More farm news straight ahead. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.
My part-time service in the Army National Guard makes it possible for me to be more for the community I call home. My training helps me at work when I lead by example. My service in the Army National Guard allows me to keep my community and those I care about safe from threats. Learn more about how you, too, can live and serve part-time close to home by visiting NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Wisconsin Army National Guard. Aired by the Wisconsin Broadcasters Association and this station. How is it that we can have smokers' lines without ever smoking? A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Smokers or lip lines can occur not only because of smoking, but other factors, such as talking, drinking from a straw, genetics, and age-related fat loss. The most simple and effective treatment for this problem is a combination of dermal fillers such as Juvederm, which can smooth and fill those fine lines as well as hydrate the lips. Also, a neuromodulator such as Botox can be used in small amounts to relax those pursing muscles. At Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie, this treatment results in a natural, more youthful appearance of the mouth and often lasts a year or longer. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. What if you didn't care about being on the fast track? Instead of flying to the big interview, what if you flew somewhere else altogether? Like a village in Botswana or a tiny island in the Pacific where needs are easy to see. What if you decided to share your skills with others and help someone else get ahead? Peace Corps. Life is calling. How far will you go? To find out more, call 800-424-8580 or visit peacecorps.gov. He can smell fried cheese curds from 15 miles away. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Josh Scramlin. There's a Wisconsin duo that is certainly making a huge splash and a lot of impact on not only the agricultural community, but also helping feed people during this time of need. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Josh Scramlin. And Mariah Martin and Sydney Endress are two agricultural enthusiasts here in America's Dairyland. And it was earlier this year that they decided to come up with T-shirts that say support local farmers and then sell them, and then the proceeds were then donated to food banks, making this really a win-win for not only Wisconsin's producers, but also, as I said, families that are experiencing food insecurity. So, Mariah, we'll start with you, and then we'll be joined by Sydney in just a few minutes. But, uh, Mariah, how exactly did this whole thing start? Because it really took off like crazy. But how did it start? Back in May, which seems like a really long time ago and kind of a blur with everything happening, Sydney and I had been going to Second Harvest Food Bank in southern, of southern Wisconsin in Madison and helping uh, usually weekly with whatever needs they had. Um, they were seeing a really great need in volunteers to help because of the demand that was coming in due to the implications of COVID-19. And we also saw our dairy farmers, friends, family, who were struggling with finding a home for their dairy products as well. And so we came up with the idea with a little bit of inspiration um, from another friend who was doing a similar project to design these shirts and then work with two already established um, donation donation um, 
programs that would allow us to donate money directly to only purchase milk. So many people say they're going to do something, but they never actually do it. So with you two, you actually did do it. And at what point did you stop talking and then start doing? It got really serious. One Tuesday night, Sydney and I were on the phone catching up. Um, Me at my place, her at her place, just how everything was at that time, you know, staying at home and we were like, well, we are usually really busy people. Sydney travels a lot for work. We like to be involved in a lot of things. And those were um, things we couldn't do anymore. And so we're like, okay, let's start this project. So I took out my computer and I began working on uh, the support local farmers design. And from there, after many rev- reviews and revisions between the two of us and asking friends' opinions, the shirt was designed, um, the logo was. And then Sydney worked with a local printing company she's worked with in the past, and she was able to set up a store for us. And I think once that those two things happened, we got yes from the printer, and we said yes to the logo that was designed. We were ready to go. Very nice. So what are the products that you guys are selling? Like, what different shirts do you have? And then how much money have you raised up to this point? The original design is local farmers, and that was just to purchase milk through Second Harvest of Southern Wisconsin, Second Harvest Food Bank of Southern Wisconsin's um, Adopted Dairy Cow Program, and then Feeding America's Great American Milk Drive. Um, the new design that recently came out is called Stay Cheesy and really goes to Wisconsin's roots because we produce so much cheese and all of the a lot of the milk in Wisconsin goes into making cheese, so we really wanted to stay local in our state with that. Uh, so originally, with just the one shirt design, we've sold over 1,000 shirts and raised a little over $14,000. Um, that was in about a month and a half of sales, I would say, that raised that much. It's been astonishing to see how much support we've had, not only from like friends and family and coworkers, but just from strangers who are wanting to help support this cause. We've shipped shirts from coast to coast and even up into Alaska. So when you rolled this out, I would probably take a gander and say that you didn't expect it to go as successful as it has. Am I right to assume that? Yeah, that's correct. We, our, our initial goal was to sell, I think, 200 shirts and raised $2,000 with our profit margin we were um, working with. And after our first round of t-shirt sales, we had sold a little over 800 and we were just blown away. All right. And then you guys have a second round. People can can buy shirts again up until, what is it, mid-November? Yep. Mid-November, the best date would be November 13th. Sales will be closing that Friday at midnight. Okay, Mariah Martin, thank you so much. She is uh, one half of the duo that is really making a difference by raising awareness and money for Wisconsin agriculture and food banks at the same time. So, Mariah, we're going to move from you, and I'm going to bring uh, Sydney Endress in. So, Sydney, talk to me about food insecurity. For folks that have maybe never heard that term before, how would you explain it? From Second Harvest Food Bank of Southwestern Wisconsin's perspective, food insecurity is somebody who's facing hunger, and so they, it's anybody who's facing hunger can come pick up these meal kits. And 
when coronavirus hit, it left a lot of people unemployed, and they saw their demand increase tremendously. And that demand is anticipated to continue for a long time as the economy is still in a downturn. They are still seeing a higher demand, and so we're trying to help fill. Milk is one of the most requested items by food banks because it's hard to donate. They can't store well, so these programs that they have set up, the Great American Milk Drive and Adopted Dairy Health Program, allow food banks to purchase milk and give them to the families that really need it. Obviously, that's one of the biggest motivations for you guys. Uh, what, what were some of the other motivations? Because I know that agriculture is near and dear to both of your hearts. So obviously, food insecurity is one piece of it. And then helping farmers, that's got to be the other piece. Correct. Yep. Mariah and I are both very involved in the agriculture industry. I grew up and still live on my family's dairy farm and where I grew up very active in the, the dairy industry. And so when the pandemic hit and we saw the struggles that dairy farmers and really agriculture as a whole facing, we tried to think, how can we help? And one of those things was as farmers and suppliers were looking for homes to place dairy products, we thought, well, if we can help try and move some more dairy products through the system by donating them to dairy or to food banks that could help out farmers as well as families in need. Yeah, and what are some of the things that you guys have learned as you went through this? Because, like Mariah said at the beginning of the interview, May feels like, you know, as far back as, like, 2007. It feels like it happened forever ago. So in the process, since you began this, what are the things that you guys have learned and really taken away from it? One of the biggest things that I've taken away from this is that there's a lot of people out there that are looking for ways to help, and sometimes you just need to find a way to help facilitate that. And that was demonstrated through, you know, our original goal was to sell 200 shirts. And we were extremely blown away by how many people actually wanted to purchase them, selling over a thousand and raising over $14,000. That was amazing to us. Yeah. And something that you want just the average person to take away that's listening to this, and it could be about anything, just what's, what's the message that you want people to know with this whole shirt thing that you guys have been doing? I think the main message that we want to get across is that the the need for food is not going to go away anytime soon. So even when we're not filling shirts, these programs are still available to donate money through. Yeah, you can do that anytime. Every little bit of money helps. And again, that's going to purchase milk, which is one of the most highly requested items at food banks and get them to families who need such a simple and affordable, nutritious product. And then finally... The goal. What is the goal for uh, in terms of dollars raised? What are we hoping to get to? Our goal by the time we close out on November 13th is to raise a total of $20,000. So we're hoping for another $6,000 this round. I think that that is a pretty good goal. And I mean, you, you've already, you've done the hard part. You got it rolling. You've already raised $14,000 and I got to applaud you for that. That was Sydney Endress. Before Sydney, I was speaking with Mariah Martin and the two of them teamed up and started selling support local farmer t-shirts here in Wisconsin. And they started this back in May and all of the proceeds from those shirt sales 